Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike and we are joined by a special guest today as well. This is part two of the Holy Spirit and your feelings, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Bible uh, holds out to us his work in the life of the believer and then how that plays into our feelings and decision-making. So, Mike, I'm going to pass it to you, and I know you're going to get us started on this episode with kind of an opening question, and then we'll walk forward from there. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. So I've got a question for Connor and for Tanner, and then once they answer, then I'll answer it as well. But what's the, I'm going to say, wackiest or most unique or different or wrong thing that you were taught about the Holy Spirit and the working of God when you were a younger believer that maybe you latched onto for a while and uh, realized at, at some point in time, this isn't biblically accurate. Sure. Um, mine isn't hyper unique. I know a lot of people who have gone through some similar stuff and some teaching, but it was the idea that the Holy Spirit will only lead you to where you have peace. Um. And there was just a lot of error and decision-making and apprehension that created in my life early on in ministry and, and trying to serve the Lord and serve the body that came from that. Um, yeah, so that's mine. Before I jump into mine, I just realized I failed as a host. Tanner Lyles is joining us on the podcast today. We I said special guest and didn't introduce you know, him. You know, I so. said Tanner Lyles in my head when you said that. So I, It's totally my fault. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Tanner. It's not important. <laughs> All right. Uh, I could probably answer this a few ways. I wasn't this particularly attentive, uh, you know, kid in the youth groups and that kind of thing. So I don't know. I probably missed some good and, you know, questionable teaching, but probably mostly good teaching. One thing I do remember, which I never, it didn't stand out to me then, but when I was in high school, my small group leader at the church had all of the guys over for like a discipleship group. And we watched a documentary video uh from Todd White and his ministry and and I think it was totally not something that was cleared by you know the powers that be it was just my leader who was an who's an amazing man uh I love him and have learned a lot from him but I think he just had heard from someone oh this video is awesome it's this guy who's doing healing and so we were watching as he's lengthening legs and you know this kind of thing and as a high schooler that kind of made an impression on me like wow I, I I didn't, thankfully, God kept me from going too far down that road. But I remember thinking like, oh, how cool that God is working in this way. And now I, I think we would all say that Todd White, if you don't know who, who he is, he would he's in that camp of uh, dangerous uh, false teachers, at least. That's how I think we would paint it. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, for me, you know, it's interesting what you said about the feeling of peace. That, that was also early on in my Christian life and also the expecting healing kind of uh, mentality. and um, But I would say for me that there were two things that were probably prominent would be, I was told that if, you know, by some friends, well-meaning friends, uh, you need to speak in tongues if you really are filled with the Spirit of God. Nice. And so I tried. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't, you know, it didn't work. Um, <laughs> so if that's the case, I'm in trouble. Yeah. The other one was the leading of God, that, that I needed like a stamp of approval and Paul Friesen, excuse me, um, Gary Friesen, <laughs> I knew a Paul Friesen, but uh, Gary Friesen wrote a book called Decision Making in the Will of God years ago. And one of the things he said is a lot of Christians want this blueprint model of life. And I was absolutely living in that kind of model. 
God's just going to drop the blueprint down from heaven on everything. You know, non-fat milk or whole milk, you know, uh, date that girl or that girl, you know, or uh, buy that car or this car. And, and then the other way is the wisdom model. And I remember when I first heard of that book, I thought the wisdom model, that's just an excuse to do whatever you want. You know, so I, I saw that as a bad thing. And I'm absolutely in agreement with the wisdom model because that's the one that the Bible gives. But I was, I, it was hard for me to let it go because my mind was pushing things stronger uh, than, it, than it should. And this whole idea of being subject to the word is very important. You know, one of the, if you, if you read Romans 1 through 11, one of the things you should come to is, wow, those who, sacri- who have trusted Christ's sacrifice for sin give themselves fully to him. It says, I therefore beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, your spiritual, reasonable service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's by the Spirit, through the Word of God. So this yielding and this surrender to God over and over again is, is hallmark, you know, must be, must be in the life of the believer. So let me ask you another question then for both of you. What do you do, or what did you do, or what have you done when you ran into a, an idea or a teaching that you were clinging on to, and you thought it was right, and you were hearing maybe a grammatical, historical, literal hermeneutic, and you, you, you didn't accept it right away. How did you process that through? How did you come to a, a more solid view of, you know, you got emotions and feelings, and you're making choices in life, and God wants you to be fully engaged in following Christ? But how'd you let go of some maybe some false ideas? I mean, that's a hard question. Um, I feel like by God's grace, He's just pushed me towards so much good teaching young in my, you know, life as a believer that I just I don't think there was some huge area where I had just kind of gone hook, line, and sinker after bad doctrine. I do think that there was a there was a time and a process of starting to be exposed to expository preaching and especially reformed theology when I was like 18 to 20. Mm-hmm. There was a process in that, you know. I kind of grew up with the model of, uh, at least with respect to God's sovereignty and salvation, this idea of, um, you know, oh, Arminianism, Calvinism, it's really who can say. uh, It's kind of all true, you know. That's what I was taught uh, Mm -hmm. growing up. So to to hear strong teaching about God's sovereignty and salvation, that was something that took some time to think about, but Mm -hmm. has become something really dear to me and, and, and sweet. So that'd be one example. Yeah. But the power, the power, I think was just in the preaching, you know, just hearing strong, uh, preaching of the Bible was like a big transforming, you know, shaping influence in my life. Similar for me, praise God. Similar for me, the word is powerful. And by God's grace, even I was listening to a lot of radio preachers in the 1980s and I got saved in 1982, but I was listening to John MacArthur and Chuck Swindoll, but I was also listening to Jack Hayford and others, and some that you wouldn't even remember their names. And it's like some of it was really good, and I kept gravitating back to basically uh, a correct handling of the word through expositional preaching. And it's true, the doctrines of grace uh, and and reading in the word that we were predestined before the foundation of the world, chosen and what have you, that, that kind of stuff just, I went, wow, because I was hearing otherwise outside the Bible from people Saying, oh no, it's pretty much you. You make the decision. Someone once said, I read a book, excuse me, where it said, God casts one vote, Satan casts one vote, and you cast the deciding vote in terms of your salvation. And I remember reading that going, 
that's not what the Bible just told me when I was reading it. So anyway, okay, Tanner, do you have one? Um, I think there's the initial grumbling and groaning that happens internally when you when you're faced with the fact that you might be wrong. Um, I always go back to really trusting and leaning on the word, mm-hmm. operating under the assumption that uh, I'm probably and likely wrong. Um, <laughs> and so if I'm presented with, with a new idea that I'm not sure about, I'm, I'm naturally kind of skeptical. So like even when we started coming to Grace Church, you know, the first month or so I spent like hyper like, analyzing everything just wanted to make sure like okay looking for any funny business here you know what's going on um you should i mean i I got a family to watch out for right Mm -hmm. but um when it comes to 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 hearing like things that where you need to correct theology and biblical doctrine as far as understanding i think okay let's go back to the word let's open up the word let's really and and take it as, as a whole like what is what does the word of god as a whole say and, and allow allow that to, to correct thinking and stuff like that. And just, again, operating under the assumption that I, I don't have it all figured out. There's a lot I still have to learn. There's a lot I will continue to learn until the day I die about mm-hmm. the Word and what it teaches. Okay, excellent. Well, let me, let me then dive us right into Romans 8, because this is really where, it's gonna, where we're going to spend our time. But uh, Romans 8, and, and I guess before we get to Romans 8, Actually, John 10. There's a verse in John 10 that has uh, has really, really stirred up some people and kind of they've taken it in the wrong way. And I wrote a 30-page paper on um, sola scriptura and hearing the voice of God. And so I'm very strong about this because I, I really want to be anchored in what does the Bible say. And I've heard, I was just reading in a really popular and good Bible you know, study ministry that's nationwide by worldwide. And they were talking about, here's how you listen to the Holy Spirit. And interestingly, they, they base it off of things like this, where Jesus says in John 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And instead of taking that as this is eternal security. They say, see, I need to hear Jesus's voice or I need to hear the voice, listen for the voice, the still, the still small voice of the spirit, like mm-hmm. 1 Kings 18, mm-hmm. which again is a complete, you know, misreading of scripture. Well, the thing is, is that listening to the spirit of God is listening to the word of God. And interestingly, uh, hearing God's voice is reading the written word of God. And you look in the Old Testament and the voice of God thundering, right? And then you read in Hebrews 3 and 4, the Old Testament getting quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then Hebrews 4, 12. And and it caps it off with the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And it's basically when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, you know, he's talking about his word. He's talking about the call to salvation through the gospel. And even in Hebrews um, 3 and 4, it's speaking of God's voice being heard as his word Right, even in Psalm 19, it speaks about that. But that's where people kind of go in a different direction. And a lot of people, a lot of teachers, a lot of preachers do not have a good grasp of this either. And so they'll say, You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you say that accurately? 
be sensitive to God, be sensitive to the things of God, listen to the Holy Spirit in the written word of God, but you don't need to hear nowhere in scripture to say, hear a message, because people will say, well, I heard a message and it went along with scripture. I'm like, well, then you're just remembering scripture is what you're doing, you know? So anyway, so let's look into Romans 8. Romans 8 starts, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And the idea, he said, the law of the spirit of life has set you free. And you live or walk according to the spirit, not the flesh. So the flesh and the spirit are being juxtaposed. For those, verse 5, who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. What are the things of the spirit? Everything we see in the word of God that's been spoken by the mouth of God. Verse 6, to set the mind on the flesh is death. To set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So it's talking about being a believer or living like an unbeliever. And then it says um, down in verse 14, all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. And led here means controlled or given over to or subject to or surrendered to. But people will say, no, I, I need to be led by God's spirit moment by moment by hearing messages. They've just stepped outside of the biblical teaching. Now, Moment by moment, do you want to be remembering the word of God and, and being obedient to Jesus? Absolutely. Could somehow you mistake that or, or miscategorize it and say, I'm, I'm listening for things, but I'm really just following the word? Sure. People are sometimes wrong in the way they say things. But if you really think, no, God's going to give me something else. I need something more. That's where we'd like to pull you back in and say, do you know that God is so much more glorious than your vision and version of him? And that the way the Bible portrays following Christ is much more glorious and good than anything you could make up. Yeah, amen. There's so much in Romans 8. Uh, I mean, I don't even know exactly what direction I would go, Mike, but I'm just looking at verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And as you're reading that, I was thinking, man, I almost feel like for some believers— in, in choosing to, you know, kind of operate with this mindset that they need a certain prompting from the Spirit, they're actually putting themselves back into a less free, you know, category of living because they're always putting themselves under this new burden now of, oh, I need a certain prompting or something like that. And there's the emphasis throughout Romans 8 is, no, there's freedom in the Spirit. You've entered into a new plane of existence. Everything is new for you now. You used to try to, you know, meet the demands of God as you were living in the flesh. You obviously couldn't do that. But now Christ Jesus has done away with those things. And God has given us his spirit. If the spirit of God dwells in you, then you are in the spirit. And you're walking in this new mode of life. And you get to just joyfully and freely and without, you know, kind of haltering your reservation, just joyfully walk forward in following the Lord. And it's as I think, you know, as which was what we've been talking about all along. As we grow in our saturation in scripture, that's just easier and easier to do. Because by the spirit's power, all of life is now being kind of shaped and funneled by, you know, those truths and that reality. And, um, yeah, one thought I'm having, I, I don't know what the wisdom model that you mentioned was, Mike, um, but if that's kind of what I'm imagining it to be, which is basically live life with wisdom. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Do you, so yes, yeah, it's, it's very simple. Uh, and again, I'm going to paraphrase or, or 
No, it's it's what we it's what you what you think it is. It's not living superstitiously. It's yeah. living according to the word of God and then using wisdom to make wise decisions. Like you don't have to have God giving you a thumbs up on every decision you make. Sometimes you might make a different a wrong decision. Sometimes it might not be the best decision. I have people tell me all the time, the Lord led us to move to here, there, or, mm-hmm. the, or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I feel like saying, could you just say you want to move there? God is not upset if you just want to move there. It's okay. Yep. But to say that the Lord told me to buy that Rivian truck, or the Lord told me to buy that $2 million house, <laughs> I have a hard time accepting that. Yeah. Did God could, you, could you do that? Sure, go yeah, for great. it. Go buy right. it. Yeah. Go buy the truck. Go buy the house. And, and love Jesus and do as you please. Right. And, and don't disobey God in any way, right? And if you do, repent. But don't feel like you have to have God on your side on everything. Like, he's already on your side. And, and it doesn't mean that you're going to make every decision wisely or every, perfectly. Right. And I think we want everything to be perfect. So we somehow think that if I say that God told me or I feel in my heart that God told me to do it, now I'm not going the wrong way. And that's being superstitious about following Jesus rather than being free. Right. Be free in Christ. Right. And just act wisely and and, and the, the Spirit will give you, will lead you and guide you and protect and provide in ways that you would never dream. Yeah. You know? That's, and, so, that's yeah. such a good point. I'm thinking of, um, yeah, I, you know, I think that I'll, I'll give an, just a quick kind of example. I was teaching one time at Grace and was talking about the importance of actually mentally processing scripture through meditation, prayer, really chewing on it, trying to think about how scripture seeps down into all the nooks and, nooks and crannies of our lives and of our hearts. And after the teaching, someone, you know, kind of flagged me down and said, hey, don't you think that it's the Holy Spirit who does that kind of processing in us? And I, I hadn't really said too much about the Spirit in that in that setting. And my response was, absolutely, I think it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to do that kind of processing but he works through the actual use of our minds in thinking these things out, you know, considering how does the truth about Christ and the gospel actually change my life? And I wonder if sometimes maybe almost accidentally believers might shortcut, you know, or bypass that that crucial aspect of meditation and thought because there's just this sense of like, oh, well, the Holy Spirit's going to lead me. So, you know, whatever, whatever happens, he's going to be the one that guides me. And I think that the the contrary model is no. God's given us his word and part of what it means to be in Christ is that we now have a renewed mind that's increasingly conformed to the image of Christ. You know, that's the whole point of Romans 12. Don't be conformed to this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we can think about believers who've walked for a long time with the Lord and it seems like their life is characterized by this, you know, incredible godliness. They seem to be so, you could use the word in tune with the spirit Mm -hmm. and why is it that they're so in tune with the spirits because they've just spent so long working to conform their mind to what you know god has revealed to us in scripture and so Mm -hmm. for them all of their life is contoured around the gospel and christ and those realities so so true we need to bring it in for a for a landing right now but it's what you were just saying was so pertinent because it's I, i picture like the quick microwave microwave meal as opposed to that long slow crock pot cook and it's like just a, a long, Eugene Peterson put it this way, a long obedience in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, dwelling in the word as, as scripture dwells in us and as we are subject to it, it flavors us. It, it, really, it really brings, uh, you know, uh, the flavor of, of, of God into our life in the sense of, of just we get permeated by scripture and we start doing what God wants us to do. 
and then we make wiser choices. Yeah. And I think that's why we see so many wise Christians that are older and they're not tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine or by their own minds, mm -hmm. but the mind of Christ in the word of God. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Okay. I think that's a great place to land. Uh, thank you guys for, for jumping on. And listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate you. Like I said last week, if there's any kind of follow-up questions pinging around in your mind and you'd like us to tackle something specific, you can always email uh, grace at graceorange.org. And uh, that's, uh, that's all we have for you today. So until next week, have a wonderful week uh, living with the Lord and glorifying Him. And we'll talk to you next time. God bless you.